This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. It does kind of remind me of like the line art of Picasso. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Why don't we keep the whole million? Providing insight. This reminds me of uh, Walmart.horse. Commentary. Don't puff your chest out all hot saucily. And conjecture. The Supreme Court has <laughs> roundly rejected prior, prior restraint. restraint. <laughs> and now, Gutterball. Well, here we are. Yo. 110. 110. Yep, we started a new... New document. unit. Yep, new 10 unit. New base 10 unit. New document. We're in the final throws of it here, Brad. The true final throws. Um, Yep, we... This minute... uh, Yeah, it starts... Uh, what is, in essence, the last scene of the movie before the credits? The beginning of the end. We've made it. We we put on a little suit, a little respiration unit, and we've orbited slightly around the potato, and we're coming back to the beginning side. I feel out there like in the stew. Yep. Yeah. I've got Tars here with me, and um, I feel like I'm descending into the heart of the black hole now, and I'm not sure what comes next, but at least I have Tars with me. Eventually, the signal I have with you will break up, I'll lose contact, but hopefully Tars will remain. Well, we have eight episodes to find out, to figure out what happens once we hit that center of the black hole. I I'm not sure if I want it to be as mind warping or not. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just a little. I'm a little somber. I'm a little somber. You know, you get uh, Towns Van Sant coming in with dead flowers, and it starts That's to like true. it. It hits you a little bit. It's true. We're already talking about the minute right off the bat. I mean, it it, it it starts out with Walter and the dude. Oh, well, do you, should we just play the minute then? Just play it now? Yeah. Why not? All Consistency, right. we know what we've said about that, bugaboo. <laughs> yeah, it's the bugaboo of, you know, Marvel Hobgoblins. <laughs> it's the bugaboo of Hobgoblins. The bugaboo of Hobgoblin Marmot Mines. All right, so let's play it. Walter. Come on, dude. Hey, fuck it, man. Let's go bowling. Sitting there in your silk 
So there we go. Yeah. Um, the Towns Van Sant music, which I always have to stop myself because I want to say Gus Van Sant, but that's a whole different guy. Really? I want to say little Steven Van Sant. I forgot there was yet a third Van Sant. Who's little Steven? He's the guitar player for the boss, man. He's oh, in the okay. Sopranos, you know? Okay. I'm going to come out with this right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Don't, are you sure you want to? Yeah, I do. Because I am. I'm, I'm in very many, much ways, right? I'm, I'm kind of the Donnie that's out of my element. <laughs> and I'm like a child, right? <laughs> so, in preparation for this episode, I listened to the Rolling Stones' Dead Flowers for the first time. You see, I'm, that's fine. You know, I had a... Okay. Here's the thing. That's fine. You're not a classic rock person. You never were. You never have, but you probably never will be. Not to say you don't appreciate the art form or whatever, but, like, that's not something that's in your wheelhouse. You don't listen to it. It was never a thing for you. It was, for me, like, I was fully in that community. Maybe not that community, but that um, that genre of music, that was my shit. I've only listened to one Rolling Stones album all the way through, ever, in my life. And it was Some Girls, of all things. It's the only one. I had it on yeah, tape. it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, All, all of the things that that would be of. Well, they have a lot of albums, and I consider them one of the... You know, there's a there's a hierarchy of classic rock acts, you know, and I consider there to be a top tier, and there's only four bands in that top tier. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, and Pink Floyd. Sometimes the Who sneaks up in there, but really that's it. So okay, okay. I've listened to all of Led Zeppelin's albums, all of the Beatles' albums, all of Pink Floyd's albums, almost all of the Who's albums, although I've never gotten all the way through Quadrophenia, and yet I've only listened to one Rolling Stones album, even though I have them up there in the Pantheon. Yeah, Rolling Stones seem to be in that Pantheon, but I never fully understood why. I mean, I feel like their music... Because I do know, despite never hearing Dead Flowers, I am somewhat familiar with their... Their catalog. Their catalog. Sure. But you um, can't... Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. And it is... But it, it seems kind of like... And again, this is the opinion, right? This is my, my Donnie-like opinion. Or maybe my Carl Pilkington-like opinion. <laughs> Carl Hezekiah Billfirst? <laughs> yeah okay whatever okay, sure sure um well you say things like carl pilkington i can say hezekiah bill first okay sure no fine that's fine you can you can say whatever you'd like <laughs> yeah i can um the 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 rolling stones oh i see just do their i i don't know they they're rock and rollers Kinda? What do you sure. mean, kinda? They're rock and rollers, okay. They're the epitome of rock and rollers. 
Yeah, you know, the deeper I go in this, the more I realize I'm just wrong. My my mind, like they always seem type of kind of like they did a bunch of different like imitations of different things. Well, and that's true. They were always exploring different genres. They were genre hoppers. They were much genre like hoppers, the like the sure. Cohen brothers. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that in the Coens. They explored music from. Why don't you know, I appreciate that in music though? Country to rock and roll to disco. <laughs> in general, I don't like my music genreed. If that makes any sense, it does make sense. But like yet. When I hear things that are utterly unclassifiable to me, like sticks, it I also get angry at that. So it's a very fine line between not being too much in any genre and being completely out of all genres that I am aware of. Are you saying that sticks is completely out of all genres? That is my perception of them. I think they're stadium prog rock. But to someone that's never heard stadium prog rock before... <laughs> Okay, but that doesn't make it untrue. I know it doesn't make it untrue. I'm just saying it's unclassifiable to me. Well, we went when so we went through this before trying to figure out what sure. music sticks is also like sticks. And there's some loose. There's only one sticks though. There's, there's some like loose connections, like we talked about oh, Kansas, Queen, Kansas, Asia. Yes. There's some in there. Yeah, yeah but none of those really. No, and that's fine. But that pisses you off a little bit. I don't know. I think it's just that sticks that pisses me off. But I love. But 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 now it's switched to pissing me off in such a f- f- fucking awesome way. So sticks is your big brother. Spent your whole, you know, youth and middle age hating them, only to realize now as it. As we gather, the darkness gathers, and we approach the end, only to realize that you, in fact, love them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's well, never too late, like, man. Kind of like the dude and Walter here at this scene. How so? Well, the dude... So, the dude blows up at Walter, right? He's, and the dude yeah. has spent a lot of this movie angry with him. And yeah. it kind of comes to a head here. Yeah. And again, we talked last time how the dude, how the for the first time Walter is kind of apologetic. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> and we talked also how the dude, even though he gets upset, right? He has this the dudely Zen atmosphere of him is how he can kind of quickly go back, even though he's disturbed, like ripples in a pond. It goes back to that calm place very quickly. He moves past it. Can't worry about that shit. Life yeah. goes on. And in some ways here, Walter helps the dude with that, right? The, the Walter, you know, fuck it. Let's go bowling. Come on, man. He says, you know, and, and they're t- embracing. Yeah. They're literally kind of each other. Well, like the dude's one hand goes around Walter. His other hand goes up about an eighth of a way and then right. like goes back down. He almost had a two handed hug there, but that you make an interesting point because you know, the whole thing, and the dude, Lama, told us about this, how, <clears throat> yeah, the dude is actually very zen-like. Even though he does get pissed, he gets over it really quickly and moves on. And that's the whole thing. But I think Walter embodies that even more than the dude does. Like, he is able to just turn that anger off like a switch, which is something we've discussed before. 
Across That's this true. line, you do not. Oh, also, dude. And then he's perfectly polite, you know? It yeah. can be 3,000 years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. You're goddamn right I'm living in the... Oh, look at what happened here. But at the you same know? time, I think that contrast is that the Walter is not in control of that. And he's more just a, um, I don't know, like rapid cycling bipolar or something. <laughs> than rapid actually cycling. A person. See, these are terms that you know. Yeah. Then, 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 then someone who is... Uh, you know, achieved a kind of uh, zen-like state through um, heavy, through heavy drug regimen and avoiding work at all costs, like the dude has. So the dude's more purposeful about it, which makes it purer. Yeah, it's well. It's, he, I think the dude is somewhat in control. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm and he's choosing that. to become calm. Is the difference right? Whereas Walter, he, he, yes, he'll go from being angry to being calm, but he's not really in control of that. <laughs> it's, it's happening on, upon him instead yes. of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's like two sides of the same coin though. It's just, it's about your intentions. Well, he, well, I think it's about, again, if we're going to talk about, Buddhism, bring that into it. Eastern philosophy, I mean, uh, you know, that's um, amphibious rodent. Uh, <laughs> that ain't legal either. No, no I, I, mindfulness is the word that comes up, right? Mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So that's that's partly the difference. I don't think the Walter's mindful of it. But is the dude even mindful of it? Again, I've had this healthy skeptical skepticism of the dude's... Uh, Zen Zenity Zenity And you know I kind of turned around uh, The doodly llama Had me kind of sold And now I'm here Again battling The You know I kind of Want to have faith In the dude And I want to believe But now I'm kind of Having this Again Is the dude really That intentional About it either Yeah I am too I am too I'm not sure If I believe it I think it's um, I mean maybe It doesn't have to be Intentional it about it I It doesn't know. have to be You know It It Plants Maybe I the took seed. a left turn there. It it sparks. If it sparks that um, that emotion or that idea in people who watch the movie or try to embrace his lifestyle, like if it creates that, then maybe that's good enough. Even if he's not, in fact, very pure about his identity. Right. I mean, I we know. only see how it happens from the outside. Yeah, and, and from the outside, it's something to be um, to behold and to contemplate. Yeah, and we don't see all of it. You know that this movie is just the interesting moments. See, that's why they can make a whole range of Big Lebowski sequels, prequels, merchandises. <laughs> can they? Well, speaking of merchandises. That was smooth, man. Um, that was that was almost a good bit. That was uh, <laughs> merchandises. Big Lebowski merchandises. You say, "Why, yes, there is such a thing." Where does one find such a thing? <laughs> Why, if you go to gutterballs.tv/support, you'll be taken to the Gutterballs store on Redbubble, 
where you can find all sorts of cool gutter balls and Lebowski related designs. Wait, are you sure that actually works? Gutterballs.tv slash support. I'm pretty sure. Give it a try. Okay, I just did it. It works. It doesn't go to the right page, maybe. I don't know. So why, here again, I'm sorry I keep asking this, but like, if you go to gutterballs.tv, the link says store, but then you have to type in gutterballs.tv slash support. This at link. I, now you're I know, throwing me I, under the bus. But I thought you were going to change it. <laughs> you did? I thought we decided store was better. So why didn't you change the link to store? It's a long story, man. We got all night. <laughs> so hey, we you felt- put the YouTube link there for our two videos. I did put the YouTube link there for the two videos and our six iterations of Dan Benjamin's <laughs> five by five intro. Yeah, I was going to say, is that still there? Cool. I think I you want that's another thing to check out. Gutterballs.tv. You can uh, now link to YouTube. Check out some iterations of the five by five logo Adam worked on. Now, as a little teaser, that's some layered audio work that I did for Dan. Um, you should check out some of his shit. He's pretty cool. 5x5.tv, right? Yeah. But anyway, you can see, like, iterations, you know, a little bit of, like, h- how long it takes even to do a five-second long uh, little sound, little soundscape. Did did he end animation. up using any of that? Yeah, I've seen it here and there. Okay, so he mm-hmm. did use it. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. But anyway, the teaser being, we're going to have a very special guest in the not-too-distant future who might have something well, to say about layered audio. That's all I'll say. Should I say more? Or is no, that that's all much? you should say. That's it, right? That's, that's all definitely, I, I think you've reached the maximum Okay. that you should say about that. Okay, that's it. So don't go away. But yes, but don't go away. Stay subscribed. So if you're not subscribed, go to gutterballs.tv. There's a link there that says subscribe. There's a link to our store. It said the link says store. Now, Brad, you can I, check out the YouTube, the Tumblr, the Facebook, the Twitter. Follow us on your favorite social media platform. But if nothing else, go to the store. <laughs> check out the designs. Don't you feel like a bit of a whore whoring out this pimping out this store like no. this? I feel bad about it, but like I don't feel bad about it. We spend a lot of money on this, like, putting this, not a lot, maybe, but, like, over the years, it adds up eventually. It adds up. We do it out of Hosting bandwidth. Ugh. Not to mention the significant commitment of time doing all the deep research and preparation it takes. It was literally seven minutes today. You know, that, over the course of three and a half years, does add up, but... You know, legitimately, it does. It would help us if you, you know, buy a damn, you know, onesie for that special, you know, 11-month-old in your family. And that's why the link we tell the listeners to go to is slash support. Well, why don't you change? Because it helps support us. Well, then change the... But I think if we changed... But on the site, the word support doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless there's more context given. Also, using the link support as we add, well, if we were to add, let's say, additional ways to support us, this that link will still work. Okay, right. So maybe in addition to Redbubble, we do something else. We start a store on, on Etsy. We use Amazon referral codes. 
we do, we get a sponsor, who knows, right? That slash support link can go to a menu of options eventually. No matter how we decide to wrecking, you know, use the menu in our store, the slash support support isn't more store is more like a, a menu option that makes sense to people. Support is more like a keyword that we are giving our audience. I'm just clicking Trust me, on, this shit makes sense, man. I'm just clicking on store over and over again, so it looks like a lot of people are visiting it. Well, just clicking on the link does nothing. Why not? To help us. No, but then you see it, and then you get excited, like, hey, four people, people are visiting clicked. our stores. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just me. I just did it, like, ten times. There, I did it again. Ooh, look at that. There's some cool designs, though, you know? There is. Very Check cool out. designs. I'll tell you what's up there. I put some new ones up there today. So Made go adjustments. Yeah, go check it out. There's if nothing else, even if you have no intention of buying anything, just check out the link cuz check out yeah. uh Adam's cool designs. Just look at it. Just look at them. That's all you got to do. I made that. Give me a little little pat on the back. I would give you a pat on the back if I could from over here. I'm kind of I kind of craned my arm around the uh the front of the, your monitor there? The like arm around. of the microphone here oh, to kind of give it a little pat. Oh, nice. As if that was somehow patting you on the back. Kind of like just with one arm, though, kind of like the dude did to Walter. Just Did the other arm come up? No, the other arm The other arm just came up slightly and then back down. Just slightly, just as a cursory gesture. Yeah. So... So, so this merchandise we were talking about, yes, yeah, a whole gut, a series of gutter balls, sequels and prequels, which that whole gutter ball sequel thing is back in the news again. That hoax keeps rearing its ugly head. Well, Big Lebowski sequel. I, I know received. Yeah, Big Lebowski. Tempting to confuse them, but what? What did I say? Gutter balls. Gutter ball sequel. But you know, there's that in the works too. Yeah, hopefully. Who knows? As chapter one is winding down, but there's a. Uh, yeah, I even got texts from people. Hey, did you hear they're doing a sequel on the Big Lebowski? It's about once a year, right? Yeah, once every just, two years, it, it maybe. It flares up. Yeah. It's like having a, you know, a, some sort of like STD that doesn't go away. <laughs> it just <laughs> flares up from time to time. The, to bad, the, flare the bad kind of herpes. Yeah. This, this Big Lebowski hoax. And it's always the same story. It's like the same story from several years ago gets linked again on some other media site. This one seems slightly different. They tweaked some of the details, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of like a game of telephone in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think we but tweeted yeah, I, this. I, I, I'm firmly, and we described this before, but I'm firmly in the camp that a Big Lebowski sequel should never happen. Terrible, terrible idea. Terrible idea. Nope, you just leave it alone. Which is Lebowski why prequel? No. No. Which is why a sequel to this podcast might not ever happen either. Sometimes you just ride off into the sunset, man. Yeah. Just leave it, go out on top. The Beatles. On top of a roof, literally. Yeah. Yep. Gotta know when to hold them. Gotta know when to fold them. You do. It's true. Towns Van Sant. Yeah, I don't know him either. Well. Of all the Van Zants out there. He's the least known of the Van Zants for me as well. But obviously I know him from this movie. Now, just to be clear, Gus, the director Gus, is Gus Van Sant, and this guy is Towns Van Zant. 
Gus Van Sant is with an S. Yes. Okay. Little Steven is with a Z. He's the same. Van. Did Zant. he have a, a like a DT at the end or TD or whatever it is? Yeah, DT. Almost. Yeah. Stephen Van Sant. V A N space Z A N D T. Van Sant. Stephen Van Sant. Okay. Um, no relation. See, you would get that if you were a big diehard fan too. All right. But, well, I will say there is a Gus Van Sant uh, Cohen Brothers connection. Uh, okay. Do tell. And that is that Joel Cohen and Gus Van Sant are the only two filmmakers to win both the Palme d'Or and the Best Director Award in the same year. I think it's called Palme d'Or. <laughs> Palme d'Or. Whatever. Palm or the Golden Palm. So Best Director Academy Award? No, but he at at both awards at at, at Oh Con. at Khan. Yeah. Was that for No Country? Um you know, I'm not entirely see this is the the Jesus. preparation we've done. Um <laughs> I thought I was just, you know, feeding you like lobbing you softballs here and you could riff on it and instead no it was actually i think it was um barton fink barton fink see well that's the kind of stuff they'd eat up at ken you know what i mean that's true that's one i've only seen one time a coen brothers flick yeah i saw that like when i was in high school when i was just starting to be like oh i'm going to watch true cinema right Cinema. You know, like Twin Peaks was the gateway drug. Right. Because I started watching Twin Peaks, and then I was like, oh, this who is this David Lynch fellow? And then I was like, ah, you know, postmodernism, <laughs> film school. Oh, okay. American film. And, okay. They, who else? Oh, Cohen Brothers. Let's see. Yeah. Although that wasn't. Like they did have and raising I forced Arizona. Myself, you know? Here I was, like in I don't know what tenth or eleventh grade, ninth grade. But you knew grade? you knew raising Arizona, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't know that. So that, that was like, like a mainstream film. Yeah, yeah, quote unquote real cinema because that was just like you know mainstream. Still one of my of favorite Coen Brothers films, I have to say. Slapsticky comedy thing. You know, I watched it. I think probably talked about this. I watched it a year, year and a half ago. Not quite as good as I remember it. You know, still, still we should good. save this for a butt gutterball special feature. All right, still revisiting good. raising Arizona. I think that would be be a good good topic. It's not bad by any means, but like, I was obsessed with that movie for a short time. Oh, me too. I she, was obsessed yeah. with. So this happened to me with several films. I would get obsessed with the openings of the films and would watch them repeatedly. Like how far, like 10 minutes, 5 to 10 minutes? Well, films that have maybe long, elaborate openings, like this Raising Arizona did. It had that really long opening with um, H.I. McDonough, Nicolas Cage narration explaining the whole story. Yeah, it's great. And it goes on, and you think like, oh, it's a little narration, but it goes on for maybe like 10 12 minutes right keeps going just keeps going going all that you know i tried to fly straight but it wasn't easy with that son of a bitch reagan in the white house (laughs) 
I and don't you're know. Like, they say the, he's a good man, so maybe his advisors are confused. Like, can the whole movie please be this way? Yeah. <laughs> like, in that opening narration and the whole visuals that went with it, I was just, you know, we ate sand. We ate we sand. Ate what? We ate what? We ate we sand. We ate sand? We ate sand. Like, <laughs> yeah, we ate like, sand. <laughs> that whole opening. Turn like, to the I right. I watched that opening again and again and again and again. I was just obsessed with it. It's so great. Yeah. Okay then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, I guess anyway, I am telling I you what myself, you want to hear. Here's then. my tenth grade self. I like forced myself to watch Barton Fink. Yeah, that was a roughie. See, it was I was not a... easy. I was at the time. I was like, this was. I was kind of like, I will force myself to get through this entire thing yeah. just to say that I did. It's a to little... be a sophisticated film consumer. It's a little inaccessible. But it was highly inaccessible, especially to my like 10th grade self. I discovered it later on. I was in college. So uh, you were probably, what, 16, 17. I probably didn't watch that till I was 20 or something, 19 or 20. And it was like, even then, like the gates were wide open. Anything, yeah. come on in. We're going to... Take it, consume it, process it. Even and even then, it was like, well, I don't know about that. So I can't imagine being in tenth grade and Barton thinking yourself. That's, yeah, that's really it was up, very man. much like the scene in The Simpsons where uh, Bart and his his friends, you know, uh, Milhouse and and Nelson, and I don't know who else. They like skip school or whatever, and they're like, "We're gonna go sneak into an R-rated movie." Yeah, Barton Fink, and they're like, "One way, Barton Fink, Barton Fink." No, yeah, and I was, I was like, "That's my life." That was actually me. That was it. That was was like, actually Barton Fink that they were sneaking into. Yes, yeah, so it was actually Barton ah. Fink. <laughs> I was just like. Yeah. Now, they also had the, the thing where they skipped school and went to see this Naked Turn R-rated movie, and they went to see Naked Lunch. I was just about to bring it up. I'm like, weren't yeah. you a little notorious? God help us. We've probably talked about it ten times. Weren't you a little notorious, you and your cadre in high school, for being the kids that watched Naked Lunch? Didn't you have a bit of a reputation? They watched Naked Lunch. I don't know. I very heard well this. could have been. I definitely watched Naked Lunch um, when I was probably, yeah, I'm looking here. Naked Lunch came out in 91. So it was in that same era of like, oh, yes, I'm going to watch. Peter Weller, man. You know, again, I'm going to watch cinema, right? <laughs> so Naked Lunch. Now, granted, while Naked Lunch was, I'm not going to say inaccessible. I'm going to say it was impenetrable. To me at the time. Sure. There was still a lot there to enjoy. Surface level stuff. On surface level stuff, you know, like the, the, uh. Shit, Peter Weller was the, ah, Star Trek Into Darkness. Of course he was. Yep. Duh. was that guy. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, but yeah, the, 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 uh, typewriter turns into a cockroach that has a giant anus and everything else. Like, there's a lot there to take in. Sure. To appreciate, even though the story. Story is ludicrous. (laughs) Well, I even read the the book, Burroughs, which was equally right? as impenetrable. I mean, it was like you know, beat. He was a beat poet. This was a novel of sorts. Like it was definitely 
nothing to like that's like makes sense on the surface. So the movie, how do you adapt it? I don't know. But it was, yeah, I would say I'd be interested in even revisiting that movie. I know probably a lot of the effects might seem dated, but... Yeah, I mean, you can get past that as long as, again, the story or the something else draws you in. Right. Uh, like Mug think ab- think of, <laughs> oh, geez. Think about, like, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. I mean, you're, well, you're not there for the effects, man. Right. You know? Well, they again did that in such a certain way that, um, like the effects well, are timeless. Well, maybe. I mean, I think when you see the bike chain coming up through, that was not on purpose, or you, you know. Well, we talked about that framing like, issues a uh, hundred episodes ago, but yeah. Well, no, it wasn't on purpose. Right. Again, it's like the Beatles and Mono. It well, was that a was thing that purpose. happened later, not supervised by the director. It was the transition of VHS that did that. Beatles in stereo was a thing that happened later. Right. It was like Beatles in stereo slash right. mono, like watching it in widescreen versus uh, four to three. Well, that's what's so fascinating about. Because it was the reverse of letterboxing. Right. They just took the 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 the, the shit out. They, in essence, took the black bars away. You could see what would be behind them. So the wire, Even though you weren't supposed to see them. The wire, Brad, re-released, remastered. Yes. In HD now. You can get it on Blu-ray or digital download. In HD, they they had to have shot it. Uh, Do you not listen to this podcast? No, I don't give... Are you kidding me? Why would I listen to this podcast? <laughs> we talk about we that. I spent a half hour talking about the how it got but converted But I just saw another HD. link for it, and I want to buy it real bad. And uh, One Perfect Shot did an article, and it's like, shit, I'm remembering how awesome that show is. But it's just like, that's pretty forward thinking. That's all. I just really want it. I love that show. It is the best show that's ever been on television. I say that with full knowledge, with my eyes open. Right, no, I wouldn't, I can't argue that. I love me some Twin Peaks, but there is no fucking no. James storyline in The Wire. The worst they right. have is, like, the newspaper thing. And Well, The Wire, I mean, Twin Peaks is great on a lot of levels, but The Wire, I don't know, it's just, The Wire works on so many, on, The Wire works on every single level. Definitely. Um, Visually, dramatically, narratively, uh, socially, politically, and in the way that consciously, (laughs) consciously, and in the way that like a lot of those lees that you were talking about were like new things for that medium. And Twin Peaks did a lot of like. There's a lot of overlap. Twin Peaks was doing a lot of new things too, but I think The Wire did more new things i just and they talked about this in the article but the way characters come and go because you know that's how fucking life is Mm -hmm. sometimes people are there sometimes they're not there they come they go you have old friends sometimes you don't see them for 10 years you know you don't talk to them then oh there they are and you have you know a couple of months or something of interaction and then they disappear again they fall off the radar a lot of that just beautiful no, I don't listen to this podcast. Come on. I used to. Like back in the teens. 
single digits and teens mm-hmm. once in a while. I turn one on. But it's just too excruciating. I listened to a little bit of uh, a little bit of it today. Did you really to most- see how my uh, comforter sound muffling is 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 working? If it's helping with my sound quality, and I think it is. Okay, good, good. I'm glad. I think we made a poor choice of microphone, and that's my fault. Um, not a poor choice. I mean, it works fine. I think we sound great. But I think a dynamic microphone is probably better, I guess, than these. Whatever. It sounds fine. It, it sounds, works. Sounds a lot better than, left. than some others. Yeah, I'm not changing it now, man. Towns Van Zant, we're not done with this guy yet. Yeah, tell me more about this guy. So... Ah, shit. I wish our friend, you might know him, his name is Chris Carruthers, was on the show right now, because he would have so, so much more to say. But, um, you know, he was a Texas singer-songwriter, if that's a genre, influenced by Dylan, so there's another crossover. He, he never really had any success in his whole life and he was um just a drug abuser and a hardcore alcoholic mm-hmm. and married and divorced three times um his longest period here I'm quoting from Wikipedia now his final and longest period of sobriety during his adult life was a period of about a year in 1989 and 1990 um, but I want to read you a little bit about his death because he died. I'm pretty sure it was while this movie was in production. He died in January or late to, I think January of 1997. So it was either yeah, January 1st, 1997, right? New Year's Day. So it's either, I think, maybe just before this movie went into production. So um, he just, he was in bad shape, just drinking probably on like a refrigerator Perry level, maybe worse, and uh, fell down some steps. He was trying to get in with the Sonic Youth guy or whoever and do another recording he showed up, but he was too drunk and belligerent, and they had to cancel that. But he had, like, fallen down some stairs, and he was all frail and withered away at this point and, like, smashed his hip up but refused to get treatment. And so, I don't know, it's just all fucked up in there. Uh, finally, he went to the hospital. Um, x-rays revealed that Van Sant had an impacted left femoral neck fracture. In his hip, and this is December 31st, so it's the day before he died, several corrective surgeries were performed. His ex-wife, they were still close, Janine, informed the surgeon that one of town's previous rehab doctors had told her detoxing would kill him. The medical staff tried to explain to her that detoxing a, quote, late-term alcoholic, end quote, at home would be ill-advised, but he would have a better chance at recovering under hospital supervision. She did not heed these warnings and instead checked Towns out of the hospital against medical advice, understanding that he would most likely drink immediately after leaving the hospital. The physicians refused to prescribe him any painkillers. By the time Vincent was checked out of the hospital early the next morning, he had begun show he had begun to show signs of DTs. 
And this is where I want to detour for a second. Okay. DTs, Brad. DTs. What are DTs? Delirium, and depending on where you're from, tremens, or delirium tremens. Okay. So delirium tremens, DTs, is a state of confusion of rapid onset that is usually caused by withdrawal from alcohol. And I could read this whole article, but instead I'm going to skip down and read the last paragraph where they talk about the other names for DTs. Are you ready? Uh, Lay it on me. It is also called Shaking Frenzy and Saunders-Sutton Syndrome. Nicknames include Barrel Fever, Blue Horrors, Bottle Ache, Bats, Drunken Horrors, Elephants, Gallon Distemper, Court Mania, Pink Spiders. Nothing about that is funny, and I'm not sure why I'm laughing. Well, there's some interesting nicknames that hint at perhaps the awfulness of it. Because, yeah, it's accompanied by hallucinations, auditory, visual, uh, complete break from reality. Uh, The mortality rate, if untreated, is high. And even if it's treated, it's pretty high. Yeah, it says alcohol is one of the most dangerous drugs to withdraw from, which I had no idea. Here, Here's some more, too, later in the article. I mean, I just want to reiterate the horrors. <laughs> That's one of the nicknames for withdrawal from alcohol. The horrors. horrors. Um, orc orcs. How about orc orcs? O-R-K space O-R-K-S. Orc orcs. The Zoots, the 750 Itch, Pint Paralysis, Seeing Pink Elephants. The 750 Itch refers, I'm assuming, to a 750 milliliter bottle of booze. It's kind of like, I don't know, your standard volume of booze that you can buy. Not like a back pocket thing, but like, I'm going to buy a 750 Going to buy like that, like the dude probably has that of Kahlua on his bar. It's a right. 750. Ah, uh, shit. The horrors, man. Unfortunately, his 14 year old son was in the room when they finally took him back to the house and he died of quote unquote normal cardiac arrhythmia. And he was like, hey, he looks dead. And the ex wife was there and tried to give him CPR while screaming out his name between breaths but then he was just dead so anyway that happened and then they tried to they really wanted his version of dead flowers in the movie again we talked about some of this but um we we're getting into it a little deeper here and alan klein the stones manager just didn't want to have anything to do with it he wanted 150 grand watch the cut he said i hate the fucking eagles he stood up and said you can have it I don't think you have to be tortured to be successful. Obviously not. He was tortured and wasn't really successful. He was much more successful after his death. Well, I guess it depends what you mean by successful, right? Like artistically successful or monetarily successful. Well, monetarily and culturally 
successful. How about that? Because I, you could argue that he's somewhat culturally successful, even though it was after his death. Well, yeah, posthumously, but, you know, what good does that do me, man? I think, I don't know, and I may be overstating here, but I think when most people uh, use, just kind of throw around the term success, they're talking about some mixture of financial and um, some term. Artistic. Not necessarily artistic, but... Well, if you leg- say artistic success, that just begs the question, what does that mean? Like, But I was going to say legacy, you know? Sure. So a combination of financial and legacy with How the we say financial. What if we said financial success combined with cultural <laughs> significance? I was going to say con- cultural significance, but is that the same thing as legacy? Uh, well, I, not necessarily, but I think that might be closer. I mean, if you are culturally significant, there will be a legacy. Yeah, I think legacy is like the umbrella is over cultural significance. You might not have cultural significance, but you can still have a legacy. Yeah, I suppose so. But I would want the legacy to be of cultural significance. I would, too. I would, too. You know, people know your name. Because you are culturally significant. Right. But, like, you know, a really successful banker, nobody knows his name, but, like, he leaves behind a legacy. Something like that, where you've made a huge impact. Nobody knows your fucking name, but you've made a really big difference. And a lot, a shit ton of money. So, like, there's ways that those things can overlap without necessarily being culturally significant. I'm just trying to broaden mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. so that we sure. can, you know, bring as many people let's, in. Let's stretch it open. We're, we're stretching it wide open like a typewriter cockroaches anus. Anus. I like saying that to anus. Not anus. None of this anus. Anus. It is a you, after all. That you can't have anus without us. Us. <laughs> <laughs> What about this random Cliff Walker? Can we talk about the yeah, random let's talk Cliff about Walker? Him. I, I, even I noticed him. Yeah, I mean, he's impossible not to notice, right? Yeah, I mean, granted, watching the movie, I never noticed him. Watching it for this, I instantly noticed, because now I've been trained to look at everywhere on the frame. <laughs> Plus, I think watching it on a computer is a different experience. Like, you just... Like a computer is a you're you're close to the screen and you're taking in all the details around, whereas watching it in a theater or at a TV in your living room, it's more like uh, okay, you're just in you're be I, I don't know what it is. It's a broad experience, and the yeah. computer monitor is a detailed experience. Yeah, like most of the time you're reading text on a fucking computer, you know, so it's like you're looking at all the tiny little details always, or you're coding, or you're. Yeah. Doing something, you're no, writing, you're so, like yeah. Photoshop. Who knows what you're doing? Yeah. But so it's all the first about- time I watched this minute, that guy just instantly stood out like a sore thumb. Oh yeah, there's a guy walking up there on the cliff. I'm gonna say, since this area that they're in is like off limits to the public, which I assume it still was in 1997 when they were shooting this, because this, you know that. Um, landslide happened a long time mm-hmm. ago and it's still very unsafe. I'm assuming this guy is like patrolling the area to make sure there's no like 
rubberneckers, onlookers, crowds gathered around to like look at the movie set, you know. That's what I'm seeing. He's like a little patrol there, which Could they be. just did a shitty job of like timing that. That's like that's being hoisted by your own petard, I think is what that's called, right? Did you just say that's being hoisted by your own petard? Yeah. Jean-Luc petard? No. Hoisted well, by your own petard. What are you doing to me? You never heard that express no, expression? No, man. I never heard tenterhooks. I never heard hoisted by your own Jean-Luc Petard. I never heard any of it. I mean, it just means. So I only recently actually what? realized what it actually meant. But you'd heard like, it. Literally, I knew the, the phrase, right? It's where your own thing you're doing like fucks you up, right? Okay. Right, so they arranged for security. Like to in like this case, we don't want sure anyone to no be people. in the frame. <laughs> okay. And this, so they got so many people to look out, people ended up in the frame, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. Ho- hoisted or foisted? Hoisted. Hoisted, not even foisted. I would have thought it would have, foisted would have been a better. Okay, so what is it literally? I guess where does it was it originally from? perhaps in Shakespeare. I don't know. It, apparently, it's referenced in the because Shakespeare. Because foist impose an unwelcome or necessary person or thing on. <laughs> that seems more appropriate than hoist. Yeah. Let's go. But please go. Please continue. Don't let me stop you. Well, I mean, uh, a, a petard, I guess, was kind of like an old... Um, an old bald It was like an old like, explosive in a science device, fiction show? in essence. Okay. Used in, in battle, in war. Or some kind of primitive explosive. Um, so it's like a bell-shaped metal container filled with explosives? Well, that's if you want to get really literal about it. But yeah, that's in essence what it was. And they would actually use it to like blow open doors. Like the end of the the uh, this like cone, the open end would kind of be against the door. And then you'd light it and it would kind of like for- force out. You know, there'd be, I guess, gunpowder or some primitive version of such in there but now talk about a legacy like that kind of device has a very rich cultural history in cinema you know especially in action movies they're always using some kind of petard to open doors they're usually a little more sophisticated well usually they're using like a battering ram or something well no i'm talking like more like oceans 11 or something they're blowing okay. a safe door open something yeah, like that yeah. you know and they put the little beep 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 it's usually got lights ringing around it and they press a little button it goes beep 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 and then it yeah i mean these are all over the place never knew it was called a petard yeah well it's a well i don't think i think a petard is a very specific thing it doesn't just refer to like blowing a door open it was a a very specific type of device used in the middle ages (laughs) to blow in gates or breach while breaching walls jesus that had to be a lot of explosives but um in essence, though, well, the the thing that I learned that was curious is that uh, the word petard is related to the French word, which means to fart. <laughs> we just can't get off the anuses, can we? No. So, in essence, you know, again, it, it was just the, this device, I guess. It was similar to, they imagined it was similar to farting. Somehow it was like, you know, blowing the force out of this bell, concentrating it out of one, you know, orifice. Fist. 
Blown it, yeah. So anyway, yeah, but hoisted by one ounce petard means you were going to do, you had this plan to, you know, do something to somebody, but it ended up happening to you instead. But what's kind of like having a grenade and pulling the pin and then which which and having it explode. Right. Which is in essence what I think of it as it's kind of like, oh, I pulled the pin, but then didn't throw it. So like I was raising Arizona where he's running around all cocky with these grenades on his vest and Nick Cage, old Nicky Cage comes, pulls one of the pins out and all of a sudden the big badass dude is like got six grenades dangling from his vest one of them has a pin out he's there all big timing with two shotguns one in each hand and now he's all like goofy looking like oh shit there's one of these grenades has a pin out i don't have to and like he got hoisted with his own petard yeah he was hoisted by his own petard he thought he was going to be all badass with a vest full of vest full of grenades, and that was his ultimate undoing. But that was his ultimate undoing. He was ho- almost literally hoisted by his own <laughs> petard in that case. Yes. Okay, I get it. But what? Why the hoisting though? Where, where's yeah, the hoisting? I can't explain that. Well, because of the hoisting, I think you know. So again, my understanding of this phrase has matured over the years. I originally always imagined it hoisted by your own petard. Because the word hoist, I imagined more, it was kind of a thing like it involved you being like elevated on a, on a spike or something. That word hoist. I thought it would be like lifting up with chain, like almost a crane would grab and like lift hoisting. We're hoisting this, but maybe yeah. I guess it could go stalactite, stalactite. And I would whatever. think the petard was maybe a part of your anatomy you are hoisted by. So you, you fart directly down In towards essence, the you ground. Got, oh, a <laughs> and you lift spike yourself up. up your ass, lift it up into the air. You were hoisted by your own petard. Hmm. That was the younger. And then eventually I came to understand it was kind of like this grenade thing. Then I came to understand just recently, just literally several days ago, and maybe that's why it was in my mind to say now that it was related to petard the the name of this explosive device is it literally means to fart. In essence, it was a fart. <laughs> it's a now fart. Do you like saying that? No. Sometimes I don't care, but then, although then I don't like it. Sometimes it's like eh, it's not like I can say fuck shit. Like all of that's fine, but sometimes fart. That's just a that's an ugly word. It is a kind of kind of ugly word. So much surrounding yeah. it. Like nothing about it is good. Well that again, in Raising Arizona, there's the scene where the kid is writing fart on the wall. Buford really knows his ABCs. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> he already knows his ABCs. Watch this. Hit the deck, boy. Hit the deck, boy. <laughs> Come on, it's a great movie. It is, but you know. <laughs> if you watch it again, you might feel as Blank as a fart. Lynch used it. Coen yeah. Brothers used it. Still a gross word. All the greats gotta experiment with it. They gotta test it out. And, you know, neither one of them has been hoisted by their own petard yet. Well, unless you can consider No Country for Old Men hoisted by your own petard. But Why would you consider that hoisted by your own petard? Mm. You didn't like it? 
I did until the end, and then it's like they went back in time and ruined the movie because they did that thing that people do where they had to, they felt compelled to follow too closely to the book. I guess. I didn't read the book, but that's what I heard. Couldn't okay. understand why the movie was so dissatisfying. And I watched it twice. I'm like, you know what? Fuck that movie. Is it because the ending had a somewhat ambiguousness to it? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. As I recall, I'm yes. trying to, I can't quite fathom exactly how it all ended. We don't need to, I mean, you know, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, it was ambiguous, but not in a way. But I remember the ending being kind of maybe a combination of ambiguous and like, oh, they just ended it there. Okay. Very, very anticlimactic and yeah. like a non sequitur ending. Just like, oh, okay. I guess. And the movie leading up to that had been so brilliant and like intense and like anxiety filled. It was so great. Parts, parts of it anyway. Hey, the Coens are there to make them the movie they're there to make, to say what they want to say. I, I ain't arguing that with you. That's fine. But I don't Whether have to. Whether or not to... we're ready to receive that petard is a whole no. other question. No, it's not about readiness. I just don't have to like it. No, you don't have to. But I will I say that. I can respect it, but I don't have to like it. There you go. I'll I'll agree with that. I think that's a good way to look at it. Um. So, yeah, random Cliff Walker. They got hoisted by their own petard, and uh, I think he was there to keep people away, and then, whoops, <laughs> he ended up in the shot. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, right as we see Random Cliff Walker, the dude and Walter are hugging. Some more, you know, vehemently than others. And Walter says, another little sparrow, I guess you can self-sparrow it. Hey, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. And then Towns Van Sant comes in, probably gotten a little of the DTs. Mm -hmm. Because he's been on stage for a while, maybe not drinking too much. but uh, And then they turn to kind of go, and Walter says, yeah, come on. You know, it's way in the background as the music is kind of taking over the soundscape. And they turn to go. The dude kind of, like, looks out to the sea a little bit. Like, he's just kind of taking it in. And I think he wanted a little more, he's disappointed in the moment. Like, he wanted more reverence. Walter kind of fucked it up. The ashes went all over his face. 50% of mm -hmm. his friends are now dead. He's just like, it's kind of like a lot of things. You, Your expectations are built up so much, like a lot of life, that in the actual moment, it's rare that it lives up to to your ideals. And I think that's how he's feeling here. It's like, shit, man, you know, we should have done better for Donnie than this. This is all it is now. Fuck it, let's go bowling. They turn to leave. <laughs> they fucking leave the Ralph's coffee can there. Right. They just leave it. And you know there's probably still a little of Donnie in it. And they just fucking litter and just leave it there. Because Walter's already walking and the dude's even starting to turn. It's like they just go. Sure. The most we can hope for is halfway back to the car. They're like, oh, wait, shit, we forgot the coffee can. If they were that far back, knowing... But they'd probably just be, ah, fuck yeah, it. Yeah, fuck it. Let's go bowling, you know? 
Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. So they leave. I think we're finally. Now, I do want to mention that nice bit of continuity as we're seeing this half-hearted hug. There's still some ashes, which isn't really ash. It's ground up bone. It's not been yes. burned so much. I was wondering if we were going to get into all this. Well, we should, but there's still... Because you sent me a great article a couple <laughs> yeah. days ago Did about I? cremation. Yeah. I forgot about that, but they're still swirling around kind of in this scene, so... That was deliberate. That was a deliberate thing they did because the ash blowing scene is long gone, but like they would still be, you know, there would still be ash around on the ground and stuff kind of swirling about in the wind. And they, they motivate that it's there. Well, it's motivated, but they actually do it. Like they implement that. Good job. I'm just saying good job. But yes, it's not actually like everything's been burned down to this like fine silky powder. <laughs> Most of what's left after a cremation is what's chunks of bone, right? Mm -hmm. That they yeah. then have to like manually crush. Right. They use, they take the bones out of the oven or whatever the term would be. I'm not sure what the proper nomenclature is there. Crematorium? Well, the crematorium, I kind of think of that building. as like the whole facility. But maybe that is, I don't know. But yeah, they take, they take the, in essence, it burns for several hours at some ungodly temperature. Mm -hmm. I forget what they said, but it was in the four digits, I think. Four, like 4,000 degrees or something. Something like that. And then all that's really left after that is, yeah, like, like fragments of bone, which are then taken out and then mechanically pulverized into dust. And that's what's then given to the to the next of kin, the loved ones, as the the the, the quote unquote ashes, the bereaved, the bereaved. So thank a, you. A crematory, also known as a crematorium, cremator, or retort, is a machine in which cremation takes place. Okay. Crematories are usually found in funeral homes, chapels, cemeteries, or in standalone facilities. So there we go. A facility which houses the actual crematory units is referred to as a crematorium. So a little loose there, but basically the machine itself, the oven, is a crematory, and the facility is called the crematorium. Now, so they shove and they put the whole casket and the body, the clothes, all of it in right. there. So you pay like $5,000 for this casket and then you burn it and it's all gone. So you use it for what the viewing and you're sitting in there and then they just burn it. Well, I guess I, again, I think people might do it different ways. Can't you just put them on a blanket or something? Like, Cause I know? think a lot of times, I don't know. I could be wrong on this, but I think a lot of times the, uh, you know, if you're going to cremate someone, you, you don't prepare them for viewing. You don't, I, I could be wrong on that, but normally I, I, I don't know. I always assumed, and I have very oh, limited experience with this, but if you were to cremate someone... Because you have to embalm them and everything, and you wouldn't do that if you're cremating them. Right. Cremate. Cremate. It sounds like a something you put in your coffee. Oh. Ugh. God. 
Do you have any half and half? No, all I got is this fucking cremate. Well, and they call well they call those ashes cremains. <laughs> of course they do. That's like the term for it, apparently. Cremains. So now all I got is this cremains. <laughs> Hand me a cremain. Yeah. Ooh, could I have the uh, chocolate covered cremain, please? Does that have the white pudding feeling? Thank you. <sighs> but yeah, it's just bone fragments that are left. I guess those are the only things that can stand up to the crazy heat. And they're big. Biggish. And then they manually pulverize them. And then I guess like this size of this Folgers can, which good job. No, well, I guess there is an urn there. I was going to say good job for Walter knowing like how big of a container to mm-hmm. get. But I think like, um, Francis Donnelly does gesture with his head over to an urn. So in theory, there is an urn off camera, just a ways. Like we have the urn. So he's like, oh, that's how big it needs to be. Um, But then, Brad, think about this. They have to. So they 4,000 degree burn this body. Scoop up, I guess, with like a dustpan and a little brush. as much as they can of the bone fragments take it to i guess another facility or like does that I happen they the just have a machine there that just as they burn it goes down and it pulverizes them and then it collects it underneath i wasn't going to say that i was still imagining they like sweep it out but then there's a mach- then they like dump what they sweep out into some machine but you, to think about it, it wouldn't make sense to maybe have an all in one unit yeah, and then, you know, as the Well, but no, the reason they smaller, do that is because there's actually going to be things left over, like like metal pieces. Fucking rings and fillings so there out of was, your teeth. Again, right. these people are, yeah. Right. And they're going to be cremated in their clothes, which I didn't know that. I always imagined they were not in their clothes when they were cremated. I don't know why. Well, I mean. That's but again, it's like you have your body. Here it is. Just kind of like, yeah, like you've prepared this body to be buried in essence. So maybe some people do a viewing and then cremation. I'm not sure. Maybe that's, you know, I never contemplated that. I don't I, know. We'll have to look into it. Maybe that is a common practice. I think they do. They must. They must. Um, but yeah. So then like rings are left over. Um, zippers, buttons, zippers, buttons, uh, any sort of like pins that you've had, like surgery wise. Yeah, anything you might have in there, yeah. Fillings, obviously, but then the crazy part was, I read that, like, most of the time, they just, like, sell that shit or melt it down or something. Like, they don't necessarily give it back to the people. Well, I don't think you'd want it. It'd be like, here's the zipper. Well, not the zipper, but, like... the pants of Uncle Frank. The ring. Maybe only rings. Right. Well, maybe stuff like that. I think the idea is if you want that shit, you don't send them into the afterlife with it. Here's Uncle Frank's zipper. <laughs> but I guess it's kind of like. And then poor, poor little you might Megan's bury, like, bury no, people. I've seen Uncle Frank's zipper too many times. Ah! Opening a whole can of worms with a. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No. She's had but, a you know, you might experience. bury, you would bury, and I'm struggling to pronounce that word the socially acceptable way. Boy. 
<laughs> you, you would, you would. Bur- bury? Are you trying? I'm trying is to that say B U R Y, and I say I pronounce it like the singer Barry Manilow. You bury something in the ground. <laughs> I don't know how. I thought you were gonna say bury. That happens. No, bury. Let's <laughs> bury the hatchet. Let's bury. I yeah, I bury things. I buried a couple of cats. But I think you're right. It's probably supposed to be bury, isn't it? Damn it! I get, I get my my wife. You might know her. Her name is Christine. Often comments on the way I say the word Barry. Yeah, but you're definitely. But granted, that's also. I I felt a little bit of um, vindication listening to uh, Joanna Newsom. Did I send you that music video today? Barry, that bone. From her uh, debut album. Oh, that The one. name of which escapes me right now. I forget, but she's got a new album called The Divers. I was yes. watching this video today. Did Multiple I send that to you PTA or not? PTA videos. Yeah, PTA. He did, uh, he did, he did the other, he did both videos from the album. Yeah, I didn't see the other one. I saw the um, titular. You saw the, the, the one where she's like in the mountains and clouds? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the one that came out today. And then they also did another one where she, like, is walking around New York City. I wouldn't, um, you know, base your <laughs> verbal <laughs> preferred nomenclature, as it were, that on Joanna Newsom. Joanna Newsom, that first album. What the hell is it called? It's driving me crazy now that I can't. Because I've listened to it so many times, though. That album... When you don't think is, she's hot, I think she's pretty into hot. My self con- into my consciousness so deeply. Why don't you think she's hot? She's pretty hot. I mean, I... Uh, okay. What? I mean, yeah, the Milk-Eyed Mender, which is over 10 years old at this point. Yes, 2004. Yep. <sighs> She's got a real... She was just 22 like, when she made that. Now she's 33. Decemberist's vibe with her... She tries to create... Not tries. She exists in a world of, like, this made-up world, which is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Of, um... I don't even know what to call it. Like, this, the Decemberists have this, like, lots of f- feathers in their caps, plumes, and, like... Uh, sort of like a Middle Ages, but not really. I don't know. They have this whole like world building aesthetic around their albums, mm-hmm. which is good in principle. But I don't like their fucking music. It's. I'm gonna say that it's actually not good in principle. But you don't sometimes think? can be say. Uh, well, was it too sticksy? It's, it's a little sticksy. I think it takes the like. It could so easily go bad. You're yeah, you're on the the razor's edge there. You like like you're either going to make something truly amazing. Like, again, and again, I can't fault anyone for trying to do that as I'm saying this, I'm realizing it, right? Right. right. But like at the Absolutely. same time, you have to accept the fact. Yes, uh, so I'm going to applaud uh, them for trying. Not that I even I'm familiar with Decemberists, but whoever is creating this kind of stuff, I definitely applaud them for trying. Colin Malloy. You just have to know there's a 99% failure rate with this shit. So you want to think hard. Like, we know you just have to be willing with that going in. Yeah, 99%. I mean. Well, I would say maybe it's not 99%. Simply because 99 people haven't even, like, yeah, like, I don't know what it would be, right? 
like adjusted because most people don't wouldn't don't even attempt to like most people shy away from that i don't know well it's daring you know daring yeah yeah joanna newsome it's kind of like this weird i always thought of and i could never quite peg what she's doing but it's kind of some mix of like I don't know, like Appalachian medieval something. It's, uh, yeah, with a little, like, maybe not with Joanna Newsom, but Decemberists maybe have a sprinkling of steampunk associated with the maybe. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I don't know these Decemberists you speak of. I know the name. That's about it. And not really, though. It's not that, but it's... That same sort of like made up melding of genres and epics and you know historical sort of shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to define, but good but for Mil- them for doing it. Yeah, Milk-eyed Mender is something where like you probably, if someone was to that had never heard it, then you listen to it the first time, you might be like, "What the fuck is this? Like, why would anyone ever listen to this?" But then if you can get past that and listen to it like 10 times, you'll be so fucking hooked. It's pretty great. Pretty fucking great. I don't know how we got on How did we we even get there? She did PTA. It started with cremation and... um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember how we got there. But yeah, anyway. Who the fuck knows? So yeah, there's panning up the... uh, or it's not really panning; it's more like a dolly across the bowling alley, right? We so we go from the cliffs to the bowling alley, and we got a close up on the wood grain, like the wood. I think these are, let's say, inch and a half or two inch with wood slats, because we just had our floors redid, as you might remember. Oh yes. And I'm looking at these, and we have kind of irregular hardwood flooring in our home, and it's an inch and a half. And I'm looking at these, and these might be inch and a half. If somebody knows better, go ahead and let us know. It but, probably, sorry, excuse me, wouldn't be too hard to calculate. Jesus, man. Because you know how like wide a regulation bowling lane would be? Then you could just simply count the slats, do the division. Bam, yeah. you got the answer. Granted, I, I'm not going to do that. Get, get right on that, man. But um, if someone out there wants to do that and let us know, We'll give you a shout out. So it's a little weird how they go from, you've got this guy. Well, first of all, first things first, audio note. We're we're looking straight down at the wood and we're going towards the pins. You can tell because there's little arrows there. Yes, the arrows. We're moving down the lane towards the pins. And you do hear a little noise as if somebody's just rolled and then a bowling ball zooms past us, and there's a beautiful, like, I'm going to call this a very slicey ball pass sound. Okay. Because there's a whoosh, but there's also, like, do you know the the Game of Thrones opening? All the little Do anim- I know the Game of Thrones opening? <laughs> okay, that was just priming you to be with me as we go on a little okay. journey. So you're there with me now? I'm there. Mentally, you're there. Mentally, I am in Westeros. 
We travel right now north through Westeros. We end up at the wall, right? But right. Then when you have to travel large distances, you don't want to retread all that ground. So that sun orb thing with all of the twisty metal circles around it will pass in front of the camera and kind of flash so that we can travel more ground, use that as a transition, right? The sound, right. the sound that that makes, whoosh, that, that slicey, whoosh, like almost like two pieces of metal, like, like grating quickly across each other. Do you know the sound? No. Ah. Not without go. I mean, kind of. Whoosh. I'm aware there's a sound. It's almost like b- blades of metal, like quickly, like slicing across each other. Whoosh. Whoosh. There's a little bit of that. When this ball goes through the frame, there's the whoosh, but then there's also like a, and it goes left to right, left channel to right channel, whoosh, like a very metallic, very, like something slicing, very metallic sliciness, whoosh, which I thought was really interesting. Like you could just have the whoosh because the ball's going in slow motion. And that's another thing. There's, Slow mo action, but regmo sound. So, like, you have the slicey okay, thing. That's yeah, that's yeah, regmo yeah. sound. And then we tilt up, and we see the pins. The ball is in slow motion now. Knocks down the pins, ostensibly getting a strike. The sound of that strike is obviously not in slow mo because that would just sound like a bunch of demon horrors. You know, sound like a horror movie. The sound is in regmo, but it lasts really long, so they must have, like, overlapped it with several sounds of strikes. Two or three, maybe? Because it kind of extends for longer than maybe it should. So those are my see what you're saying. two main audio notes there. And that's, that's a real skill, because slow-mo is beautiful, visually. But then... You don't want to slow the sound down because that would be terrible. Right. Sounds awful. Unless that's what you're, unless it's a day. Unless you're going for that. Like you're a, you're, you're a drunk or you're on drugs and you're disoriented. You're Will Ferrell and you just shot yourself in the neck with a tranquilizer dart. Then that works. But this, you don't want that. So there's, and I look forward to discussing this more soon, but that's all I'll say about that. Slow-mo action, reg-mo sound. There's a whole art to it. Uh, here, I just want to... There's nice striations in the cliffs. Going back a little bit, I want to point that out. And this area in general, they're at the cliffs. There's not a lot of graffiti. That scene out of Fear the Walking Dead, there's graffiti every right. fucking way. Which, granted, they were filmed, what, 17 years apart? Right. So that right. could be part of the difference. I'm sure that's most of it, but, you know, this, when did this, we talked about this, but when did most of this, like, landslide happens? Forever ago. Yeah, it was like in the very early 20th century. Yeah. So you'd think they would have had enough time to put some good graffiti on here, but maybe that became popular more recently. Yeah, maybe it didn't become, I mean, they, they like, kind of, like, on that website that we linked to and that you sent about it, they kind of, like, pimped the graffiti as a feature. Right. Like, oh, modern art. Mm-hmm. They don't now, even yeah. clean it up, you know? It's just something that's there. <sighs> Please buy a mug. 
somebody. Nah, you don't have to buy a mug. No, but that's like the cheapest thing that's on I there. I mean, if you want to buy a mug, please do. I like my mug. Yeah, you got some. How are yeah, they working out? I have love you... having gutter balls. I have a gutter balls travel mug and a gutter balls regular mug. Have you consumed anything out of them? Um, No. No? Because I've been almost, I haven't quite gone to that yet just because I'm kind of just enjoy looking at them so much. It's like they're still new and shiny, and you don't want to. Yeah, but no, soon I'll consume out. Consume out of them. The travel mug is nice. It's metal. It's metal. It's metal. Huh? I had no idea. I thought it would be plastic. No metal. Metal travel mug. It's good build. Good so build quality. Sturdy. The workmanship. The, the is print decent. job is pretty good on this stuff. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And that was the first run of designs that we had, so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, It's going to be even better now. I'm going to yeah, order myself a notebook, I think. Yeah, next. I might get, um, kind of got my eye on that iPhone cover. Yeah, I'm thinking about that, too. Then I can see it always. It's always with me. That's true. Get the purple one. Mm-hmm. Gutterballs TV, two-inch yeah. pigeon on there. <laughs> yep. Very That's... different than a seagull. That's more like something you would see on the poop deck. Next time on Gutterballs. Hey, man. How do you do, dude? I wonder if I see you again. 